0: we are sur to that the surah number 51 we are an I number 15 عوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن المتقين في جنات وعيون ما آتاهم ربهم إنهم كانوا قبل ذلك محسنين the beginning of the Surah speaks about <coughs> certain forces, elements in the heavens, in the earth, winds that scatter, and winds that carry the rain and wind that help ships sail in the sea. And those angels who carry the Amr of Allah and distribute Allah's commandments, and then by the sky that has, uh, you know, string, strings, patterns, and yeah, lace. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala then uses this to show that the one who arranges everything this way where the um you know the parts make up the whole you know? he is capable of recreating and, uh, here in this discussion today allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring out uh, the uh, value of taqwa mm-hmm. that those who believe in allah believe in the Day of Judgment, believe in the unseen, after going through the seen, they will have a reward, which is unlike any other. You know, so, he talks about the muttaqeen. Those who have taqwa. The essence of taqwa is to, first of all, believe in Allah, And second, to believe in everything Allah promises. Since those who have taqwa believe in what is promised, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives assent of what will become their promise. Those who have taqwa, (coughs) they will be in groves, they will be in orchards, they will be in gardens and springs. And fountains and plenty of water. And the uh, gardens and the groves and the orchards will be there for scenery, for fruit, for the smell, the fragrance, the greenery, and the water will be there for life. a symbol of eternal life that they will enjoy life eternally because they stayed away from enjoying all the haram things in this world allah will give them abundance of pleasure in the other world (laughs) they will be taking what their lord gives them so their lord who made their tarbiyah um, Rububiyah? that allah raises people takes care of them fosters them brings them from one you know, place to another one stage to another one phase to another allows them to perform good deeds and takes them through you know the spiral of life Nothing is set every day is different. Every day you have different emotions, different moods, uh, different types of tests, uh, different attitudes, and different likes, different dislikes. But despite all of those differences, they come together in taqwa that they resolve their affairs by believing Allah and by affirming Allah's tawhid. So as a result of all of these um, this meandering, maneuvering, negotiating life, they come to a destination where their Lord now gives them something which is consistent and constant. So in the world, nothing is consistent, except the idea that you're tested. So when you're tested, there's a consistency in that, and that in the Iman, and the resolve then allows you to bring all of those inconsistencies to a platform of you know, consistency and constancy, otherwise known as istiqamah. So when you have istiqama, Allah then gives you permanently. So all the fruits and pleasures of Jannah are given by the Lord, the Rabbah. It is because of his rububiyyah and in Jannah there is also growth and tarbiyah. Um, so rububiyyah doesn't stop at death. Rububiyyah continues in the grave, in the Mahshar, on the Day of Judgment, and continues in Jannah where in Jannah people will be growing. There will be a sense of development in Jannah also. So you mustn't assume that once you're in Jannah, that's it. No, there is growth there of a different type, a different kind. And that growth is with pleasure. Hmm? Yeah. So they, they take what their Lord gives them and so they hear the idea is that uh, when you do actions, you make the niya for reward. And so uh, also, you mustn't just say, I'm doing it for the sake of Allah. That's not enough. That's not the way of the Ambiya. The way of the Anbiya is to anticipate a reward. Hmm. So we anticipate hasana in the Akhirah. It mustn't be you know, this kind of Protestant type of mind where yeah, your good deed is your reward. Hmm. No. My reward is in Jannah with Allah. Okay? so you mustn't fall into that trap. I'm saying good deeds are good deeds because they're good deeds. So there's a purpose there to the good deed, there's cause and effect. If you do a good deed, you will see it. And it has to manifest itself in the form of Allah giving you reward. Rabbuhum. So, who is the giver? Allah is the giver. So, you take what Allah gives you with pleasure, with honor, with acceptance, and with anticipation, otherwise known as ihtisab in hadith, imanan wa ihtisab, and so that you're expecting reward from Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَبْلَ ذَٰلِكَ مُحْسِنِينَ And this was simply because they were well- behaved in the world they're excellent in their mannerism in, in in the way they dealt with allah in the way they dealt with people yeah so the way you do with people through ihsan and the way you do do with, deal with allah through ihsan also so there's ihsan with allah and that you worship allah with ihsan and there's ihsan with people and that you treat people with ihsan. So ihsan gives you the idea that you do excellent whether it's or hukuku ibad. So you have to be on the ball, <coughs> which means a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, alertness, awareness known as dhikr. And if you are neglectful, that's gafla. yeah So being uh, Able to observe what Allah wants from you at all times is the highest level of ihsan and iman, where you see Allah there in front of you, which is a tall order, but nevertheless, it should be something that we strive for and aspire towards. And, uh, so, ihsan so, is so Allah's now bringing the whole of the cosmos in the beginning of the surah. And then understanding, observing, appreciating Allah's ability to create the cosmos then comes into the believer, the observer, and then he reciprocates Allah's ability to create by creating his actions. Hmm? Otherwise known as earning, kasma. Earning his actions because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. So you you, you reward, uh, yourself with Ihsan. Al-Jaza ihsani In the Ihsan. So the Ihsan of Allah on you is then mirrored by your behavior, your Iman, your Salat, your Salam Zakat, etc. Mm. So this is how the, the, the world view is. This is the mindset of a Muslim. And you have to remember these are Makkan Ayat. These are Makkan Surah where the sharia nidham of islam is yet to be established this is not based on sharia this is based on what we call the queen right yeah the sharia came in medina so you have to remember appreciate that the few sahaba who were believers in mecca they had this luxury of being with the prophet and seeing the cosmos for what it is being able to bring the cosmos together and then make themselves a focus of the cosmos as you will see later on so you bring everything together bringing everything into tawhid and so on so when you're living in a place where there is no islam this is what you do this is your world view the world view is that you must be excellent you must have ihsan in you no And you must behave, basically, living in a non-Muslim country doesn't give you license to do anything you want. Living in a Muslim country, obviously, you follow the Sharia, which is even more strict, but you're still bound by the universal values of the cosmos, the values of Allah's creation, creativity, all his ina'mat, his gifts that he bestows upon all human beings. They must all gather in the mind of the worshiper. Okay? the worshiper must see the cosmos for what it is and what is it it is the creation of Allah. It is a name of Allah. so there should be no place and time where you are ungrateful. So that gratitude is expressed through ibadah and through other actions and this and that when you do that, you will live in a place in a world where, you will have no problems, no anxiety, no depression, no hunger, no thirst, and basically no need for anything. You'll do everything out of pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, they would sleep but little, I you mean know, means to sleep, uh, that you sleep out of uh, neglect, You sleep because you're tired. That is one thing. And if you make the right duas and make the right niyah, you're rewarded for that. If you sleep out of gafla, heedlessness, where you don't care whether you wake up for fajr or tahajjud, or you don't care how you sleep and when you sleep, then obviously that's neglect. Okay. So this is what Allah is saying: that be alert even when you're asleep, and then you sleep little. Yeah. And this was the uh, the way of the Anbiya Alayhi was wasalam, and the uh, Awliya. This is now obviously saying that you sleep early, so that way you wake up with Hajj, basically. And in the early morning hours, when there is Suhoor time, they seek forgiveness from Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down onto the first heaven in the early morning hours just before Fajr. And he announces, is there anyone here who's making tawbah? So I can uh, accept his tawbah. Is there anyone here who is seeking forgiveness? I can forgive him. Is there anyone here who wants me to provide him with rizq? So I can provide him with rizq. It is that time. That time is very blessed. Obviously, any time of the day you make du'a, Allah will hear you. Inshallah, he'll accept you. But this is the time when the uh, tajalli, they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's noor is very close to the believer. It's close to everybody, but only the believer will experience that noor or that intensity when everything is silent. When everything is silent, you can actually think and plan and you know do what it is you want to do. So in that time, um, instead of watching the stocks, you seek forgiveness from Allah. Yeah, people wake up early in the morning to check the stocks on the other side of the world and making a lot of money. so Allah says, "No, if you wake up there, suhoor time, there you should be in du'a and dhikr, that you benefit from the intensity of Allah's nur. Allah's nur is always there. Allah nuru samawati. But at that time, if you tune in and your frequency is right, then Allah will open many doors for you." And those uh, doors are not of the dunya. <laughs> you have to remember that uh, That when Allah is saying that they seek forgiveness and they're asking Allah for his follow. Uh, yeah, the dunya is, is there, maybe 5% of your life is the dunya. The rest, the other doors that open up, doors of knowledge, doors of dhikr, doors of ibadah, doors of khashya and tawakkul, and trusting Allah and doors of helping other people and so on. uh, yes, one way obviously that you are close to Allah and you want Allah to facilitate life for you. And the other is you want Allah to facilitate ibadah for you. Well, yes, so two mindsets. One mindset, you go for Umrah and Hajj, you ask Allah for the dunya. But other people, they say, well, they won't forget the akhira. Yeah, So you have to be careful how you don't uh, spoil the occasion and <coughs> you take Allah for granted, which is fine. So, so the early Muslims and the Anbiya, they ask Allah to facilitate Ibadah. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Right? That dua of the Prophet. Help me in this. He Is it help me in the dunya? Alhamdulillah. By all means, it's perfectly halal. But don't neglect this. Help me towards your dhikr. And the Prophet was always in dhikr. And help me to give gratitude to you. Allah shukrika. And help me to better my ibadah. So that's an assistance and that's a madad that comes from the other side unless you seek it you won't get it if you're not looking for it it won't come to you and the idea here is that the people who have ihsan, uh, they will be looking for this father uh, of allah the father of knowledge the fadl of nur, the fadl of uh, uh, being grateful the father of tawakkul, and all of these good characteristics and moral traits that we need to develop inculcate uh, within us so this is how allah is that they seek allah's forgiveness for not being the servant they should be not worshiping allah the way they should not uh, being grateful to allah the way they should it's all about introspect so you don't blame anyone you blame yourself and you're focusing on yourself and so obviously you ask allah to help you in your you know family affairs and your daily affairs and everything else but ask him for this also because these are the foundational values for us to do ihsan in the dunya so on one side you have your as i said your duty towards allah and you're worshiping him you're in and so on so that's your inner your spiritual quote unquote okay application of yourself and then there's the mundane application of you how do you treat people what you do in the world when you're with people how do you behave so there's a mindset here and there's a world view here about wealth yeah so wealth is that your earnings You earn money, supposedly, and it's yours, supposedly. So it's my wealth, my earnings. So it's your property. So Allah says, wait a minute. It's just not your property because I gave it to you. So in your property, there is a duty and a right for others. We're not promoting socialism here. We're not talking about socialism. You yeah. this is very different. It's a world view. It's a mindset that, okay, I have this money. This money belongs to me. So in this money, I'm gonna give this much to the family. I'm gonna put this much towards my retirement. I'm gonna spend this much on holidays and this much on good times. Okay, but that's your money. When you come out of your shell of claiming it's your money, you will see is not your money it is allah allowing you to use that money and that wealth to your advantage the money and property and wealth belongs allah not to you theologically it belongs to allah, to allah alone belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth it doesn't belong to you the fact you've earned it means you have now acquired a permission from Allah to use it exclusively without anyone coming to confiscate and to steal and rob you. What have you earned? You've earned permission from Allah to use it yourself exclusively. But when you use it, you're going to include everybody else in that in that permission, so you have now permission to spend on others, spend for others, so you spend on your family. You spend on yourself. You spend so that's an extension, immediate extension. You spend on your family. Here Allah says, "There's much more than your family." Okay? so you start at the bottom. What is the bottom? Bottom those who are deprived, mahrum they have a theological right to your wealth maybe not a legal one and they can't steal from you but theologically in your theology when you say this belongs to Allah and Allah belongs to everybody so this should belong to everybody so technically they have an intrinsic right to your wealth so if somebody is deprived and you see that this person's deprived they have a right to your wealth, so you must give. You must give as a theological duty, not a shari duty. That's Islamic. Mm -hmm. That somebody is there, the guy is hungry, the guy is dying out of starvation, and you have to help. These are the the kind of, what you call it, uh, universal values mm, that the Quran instills in the mind of the Muslim. Again, remember, this is revealed in Makkah. This is not the Sharia of Medina. this is revealed in Mecca, very important for you to understand. that Take this out of the context of a Muslim Ummah, bring it into the context of the human Ummah. So human beings who are deprived, they have a right to your wealth. Now what do you do? You have to give them their right, whether it's one dollar or ten dollars or more. Yeah, that's the lowest common denominator, the lowest of all lowest. Uh, I mean, people who have nothing, they have a right in the wealth of those who have something. And that's why there is the idea of infaq and spending, sharing, and distributing, and all of that. But they have a right. And then you go above that, السائل, the one before, the one before, all right, so you see now, how the taxonomy, how Allah is grading. So somebody who has nothing, they have a right. Somebody who is asking you for something, they also have a right. When people ask, they're not asking because they necessarily need it or they want it, they're asking for a cause or for a reason. So if people come and ask you for a cause and for a reason, and the announcements after announcements after Juma, and that you need funding for this and that. Although it's not the best thing to do in Juma, but if they ask you, you should participate. One dollar, five dollars, something, whatever you can do, because the sa'il, the one who's asking, has a right. See so you know, the words of the Quran: hakun. Hak is a very, very strong word. It means a right, something that is true. So in the asking, there is some truth in it, right? Unless God forbid someone scamming you and cheating you, then it's different yeah. So here we see that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that these people who have ihsan, they will see universally that everybody who's deprived in the world, I uh, should make the near to help and to give. Whether you do you don't, that's the But the mindset has to be there. You mustn't deprive them theologically of saying that they have no right to you. So if you're the only person left on the planet and you have now $10 and there are nine other people with you, what should you do? You can't say, this is my $10. Huh? Because that's the plight of, the, of stinginess and the height of you know selfishness. You can't do that. So now expand it to the whole community. Yeah. And then that's how you grow and develop the community. So, this in, in any Muslim, than Muslim community, unless you spend on others, there is no barakah. As long as countries spend mm. altruistically, they will remain in power. That's the key to success, as you will see at the end of the surah. Mm. There's an ayah at the end of the surah which will explain this very lucidly and explicitly. We'll explain it when we get there, inshallah. Part of your ihsan now is not just that you wake up for tahajjud and you make istighfar. Part of your ihsan is to see people as owners of Allah's fadl. As Allah's fadl is with you, they should also own a little bit. But it doesn't have to be as extraordinary that you go out and donate all your money. You can, but at least participate, at the very least, with the du'a. Yeah, and then obviously give something. Yeah, and that giving is necessary for the Muslim mind. You don't develop a Muslim mind if you have stingy people. Stinginess uh, kills the spirit of Ihsan. Hmm. Yeah, if you are stingy as a community, you will get nowhere. <laughs> Oh, a Stern warning from Allah like if you're stingy, if you're stingy as an ummah, Allah will replace you and then they will not be like you. Very stern warning. So it starts from the individual mindset that I, as an individual, do I have claim to what is, what I believe is mine? He said, no, it's not yours. You're given permission to look after and take care of what is that which you have earned. Uh, That's the, uh, you know, the paradox, with Qarun. Uh, Qarun said, with all his wealth, uh, I gain this, I earn this through my knowledge. Allah said okay I'll just take it away from you (laughs) all right so now is he here mashallah, people here I don't want to go on a rant about the U.S. Muslims but we earn this we have PhDs and we work hard and we work dog hours 80 hours a week and we you know hit the iron and we grind and we sweat and we perspire and then we come home and then all of a sudden somebody wants us to give us ten dollars get the heck out of here go and earn your own money that kills the Ummah. Okay? If you go to other Muslim countries, much the people are very, very generous. They, I mean, they're generous here in the US also. Mashallah. Uh, the Muslims of the US are very generous. They donate quite a bit, alhamdulillah. But the mindset, in, in, in the way, which comes out of arrogance and uh, possessiveness, that this is mine, you should go and earn yours, okay? that kills the Ummah. And there are people who do think that way here in this country, mm-hmm. quite a few of them. So here we see that your ibadah with Allah is with Ihsan, and your dealing with people is also in Ihsan, uh, That you're doing people uh, a favor, a kind gesture, and all of that. So sa'il, uh, somebody he comes and asks you for something, and obviously one the Prophet was told very early on in his Nabuwa if anyone comes knocking on your door, then don't, uh, you know. Uh, shut the door and open your doors and, and see what they need. So this, that one obviously, basically, to any kind of question. This and specifically for wealth and for financial help and support, uh, etc. Anyway, this is how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala creates the mindset of the belief. It's all about developing the mindset, the attitude. The action will follow the attitude and the mindset. Okay, yeah, so you can give a hundred dollars and then assume you're a very uh, mashaAllah generous person but you're still a in your mind you're still stingy in your mind mm. right so that's why you have to train the nafs to be generous not just one act mm. so was the one act is an event for which you're rewarded uh, inshallah but it is about the mindset you must develop your character your your behavior your attitude and uh, how you think basically or do you think and since this is all about the day of judgment uh, preparing for the day of judgment uh, people who uh, then look into the cone and to the cosmos they're looking obviously for signs and evidence of the day of judgment so that they develop and you know that they, they increase their iman uh, so to speak right? so here Allah says that if you Think about what happens in the earth. And in the earth, there are so many signs for those who have yaqeen. They have yaqeen of the akhirah, and they're observing to see how Allah will recreate and so on. what is obviously you watch you know shows on TV, the blue planet and all these great shows, which are they're great, wonderful, exhilarating, uplifting, and so on. But the observer. Uh, is not an atheist. Okay, You don't observe the dunya through the lens of atheism and science. Only. Mm-hmm. You observe the dunya through the lens of the Akhirah. You have to have yaqeen when you're observing. Okay. So when you're doing some inquiry and you're observing and you're testing and you're doing all of these, whatever it is that you do, uh, you must lead yourself from that sign to the Akhirah. You have to make that connection to Allah. Then it's worth it. Otherwise, if you just uh, marvel at all the species of all the you know the, the the fish in the ocean, and you say, "Oh, look at this! This is spectacular and you know wonderful camera work, photography, whatever it is." You know, read the National Geographic, as I said, it's very uplifting. But here, uh, Allah wants us to connect the creation to the Creator. Yeah. So you must draw the bridge. So that's why Iman and Yaqeen here is necessary. So ayatul lil there are signs if you observe in the dunya. I don't need to go into that. You, you know much more about that than I do. But the idea would be that you develop your Yaqeen. Okay, you see a mountain, there's Yaqeen. This Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creations. If Allah can create this here in this dunya, we can't imagine what He can create in another dunya. And so you must make sure that there's a bridge between what you see and the creator. What is the creation and who is the creator? And so on. And there are many, many, many signs. Allah says ayat and so on. and in yourselves so here allah is saying look into yourselves also that when you travel the world and you're observing nature and allah's creation maybe take five ten minutes and look into your own self look at you look at your physical body look at how allah constructs and creates and brings everything together how the body works as a unit and so on and so forth and then within the body then look into your own nafs uh, how your mind works look at your mind look at your creativity look at your imagination look at your your you know memory look at your retention look at your five senses look at how you feel look at your moods okay look into your dreams look into your thoughts and aspirations look into you mm, take 10 minutes every day look into you uh, you're looking at everything else in the world but you don't, don't look at yourself mm. that's sort of the height of neglect and gufla that you don't look beyond what you see with your eyes and what you smell and what you touch, uh, etc. Look into the inner senses also, which is, which was the trademark of Muslims in the golden time. In the golden age, Muslims were always looking into themselves. They would reflect upon themselves and reflect upon their actions and their niyyah and their ihsan and their ibadah and observe everything that they were doing from within. Because there's a kingdom within you which is larger than the kingdom outside of you. So can you look into that kingdom? Uh, you can't look into a kingdom if you're just, you know, playing video games. Mm. Right? You're total ghafla, there's no dhikr. So when you start looking into you, you'll see things that only you can see. And you'll see Allah's creation in you. So you have to look at how Allah creates in you. Your mind, your thoughts, your thought process, as I said, your dreams, your imagination. Look into those and see who is in control. And then from you, you get to Allah. As the phrase goes, that whoever knows himself knows his Lord. You can't know you, your Lord until you know yourself. Who am I? So sometimes I have cravings, sometimes I'm, I'm in a good mood, sometimes I'm in a bad mood, sometimes I want to do things, sometimes I don't want to do anything, sometimes I'm this way. So who is you? And who's controlling you? And how do you control you? So if you are not in control of you, then how can you be in control of anything else outside of you? And so anyway, that's the trademark of the people of Tasawwuf that they find, you know, time and space for the salik to look into things that other people don't look into, and that is you. As I said, there's a kingdom inside you, which is yet to be discovered, yet to be explored, and yet to be appreciated. of sirun, don't you see? Mm, yes, the observation there is either outward or observation is inward. And so the other ayat in the Quran that obviously come to mind. But we'll stop here uh, for the moment. So there should be an exercise that everybody does every day to look into themselves. And so, uh, it doesn't matter, it could be anything in yourself, your body, you know, your anatomy, your psyche, your behavior, whatever it is. Mm. And Allah is now imploring human beings that on uh, this cosmological level you have to appreciate that in the sky, in the heavens, there is your risk. Your risk is in the heavens. It comes down from the heavens from the Mahfud. If you want to go with that interpretation, some people say no, it's about it's about the rain. The risk here is referring to the rain. The rain is the reason why you have risk on earth and so on. Or oh, it could be just left general, that in general it is the way Allah says it is, and that is the risk actually comes down from the heavens. And as it is appropriated, definitely. But there are other forms of risk that this may refer to. And whatever it is you've been promised is in the heavens, is recorded, is documented, it exists there the way to bring that down to earth is through dhikr through ibadah through shukr through dua through dhikr and everything else and that's how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is training the muslim mind that this is what you need to see this is what you need to observe instead of thinking about the khilafa and whether the mahdi is here or not why don't you think about you everyone's worried about politics there's no you know, benefit in politics, and the proof's in the pudding. We, what, which year is this 2022? And we're none the wiser. We don't have any political system that actually works. We don't have any economic system that works. We don't have anything that actually works in the dunya. So why look you into something that doesn't work? Why don't you look into something that does work? And who works? You work. You definitely work, that's why you're crazy. Oh. The only reason you're crazy is because you work. If you stop thinking about the dunya and look into what does work, Allah's mulk, Allah's kingdom, sovereignty, and Allah's order, that works. So glorify Allah and look into that, and then take from what works and make it work in you. Okay? The nidham, the system, of allah's kingdom is perfect until human hands touch it when human hands touch it it corrupts everything you heard of the midas touch (laughs) yeah this is the human hand it has the corruption touch yeah human beings corrupt everything that is perfect so in order to become less imperfect you look at allah's kingdom uh, you study it you observe it then you apply it in you and the way it applies in you is that the angels who do this work for allah they are pure okay they obey allah they don't disobey allah they're in dhikr they're not in okay and they're organized and they don't have nafs and so on so when you bring that system down into you the world outside of you will start working as I say, you observe what is perfect and you bring down the perfection into you through dhikr, ibadah, through taqwa, uh, through altruism and uh, all of those uh, good things. But uh, again, until you know who you are, you will not know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Inna hu ma It's amazing ayah, if you start opening up it, it will take many, many, many sessions of tafsir. This is the haqq, this is the truth, just like the way you speak. The way you speak, so the way way you speak uh, is uh, very intriguing. Allah doesn't use the other five senses, Allah uses this ability to speak as being a, a trademark of perfection. That it is promised, and the way you speak, whatever is promised will happen. It is the truth that comes out of yaqeen, certainty, and belief, conviction, and istiqamah. That once you are in sync with Allah's kingdom, then whatever you say will happen. <coughs> That's the secret of this ayah. In the so, if you want things to happen the way you want them, it won't work if you have enough. This won't happen unless your nafs is purified, where you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for, number one, the sake of Allah, and number two, for the benefit of mankind, and number three, the benefit of the Muslim Ummah. Okay? In that order. Yeah. So, if you have this ability that you, are, you have trained your nafs, to be so unselfish, and then you say something, then it will happen. And that's what happened with the Sahaba, that when they became purified in the company, the Sahaba of the Prophet whatever they said and whatever they intended happened. So if they wanted to climb a mountain, they would climb a mountain without the gear. Yeah, so this is the secret to success for Muslims revealed in Makkah and that's what the Sahaba understood from these ayat that unless we're in sync with the Nizam, the kingdom of Allah, and we become pure and we do things only to please Allah, then we will create a civilization that uh, takes over the world. Because they were in sync with all of these values. But now we're looking the other way. Let's have a discussion on the Muslim economic system, climate control. <laughs> really? Climate control? The Prophet said that when Zina is rampant, then earthquakes will happen. That's climate control. No? yeah whether republicans believe or not it doesn't matter you can spend billions and trillions of dollars in climate control it won't happen until you control yourself that's the way of islam where you are in sync with allah's nidam and when man comes into allah's nidam and he has corruption through zina through lgbtq then you, you can anticipate many forms of Climate change. Until you reform human beings, you won't reform the climate. It is not possible. You can do whatever you want. It's about smoke and you know carbon dioxide and pollution, carbon monoxide. Yeah, do all that. That is dhulm if you do that. Okay. That's part of human action, human behavior. But here, that that's why when you look into yourself. What kind of emotions do I have? What kind of thoughts do I have? What kind of, you know, sentiments, and impulses, and stimuli do I have? Are they haram? Are they halal? If it's haram, then you're in trouble. You need somebody to correct you and to reform you and to refine you. And that's how you have now the nizam of the dunya in sync with the nizam of the angels. They have to come together. There has to be a cohesion a consistency between the two. If that doesn't happen, you can do what you want. And again, the proofs in the pudding it doesn't matter. If you take away, remove all the gas and the petrol in the world, you'll still be corrupt. And there'll be other problems that you don't even know. And Allah will just keep on showing you he's in control. So this is the way look into yourselves. If you look into yourselves, you'll see many doors opening of reform and so on the other Nizam system where you had little but there was barakah and you could live uh, with so little and so many people benefited from them yeah so this so-called uh, you know industrial revolution and then the scientific progression and whatever it is that you, you guys want to call it the renaissance or whatever and muslims going that way There, you don't have rain in uh, many muslims say so what they do they what they do seed cloud seeding huh? they do cloud seeding they go up there and put seeds in the clouds so it rains it doesn't rain that much that's not the way the way is you ask allah you, say you have to ask allah through dua and you know stop opening the doors of zina basically. you close the doors of zina you'll get rain instantly you'll get rain because the angels will then send the rain, as in, in the beginning of the surah, by the angels that distribute Allah's amar it's in the hands of the angels. The amar to rain is in the hands of the angels. If the angels see human beings are corrupt, they won't give the amar It's as simple as that. Who understood this? The Sahaba. The Ta'abin, the early Muslims, they understood this that without uh reforming human action uh, there is no islah of the dunya the dunya won't survive that long if muslims also behave this way mm-hmm. yeah so that is now the formula for success is uh, you know your speech should be uh, how allah decides what happens in the earth umar عنه, sent a note to the nile you know, he said to the Nile, "Start flowing." So it started to flow. <laughs> right. It's not a fairy tale. Okay. For us, it's the truth. It's the haq. if we wrote a note to the Nile, the the, the, the note will be polluted, and then it will stop flowing. Right. That's the devastation. That consumerism, unfortunately' so it's all about you know making sure you have higher modesty, making sure you have altruism, that you're generous, your heart must be open, and your generosity must flow. so when when you are reformed and refined through the Sunnah of the prophet, then you appreciate these ayat. And then these ayat make perfect sense. But if you live in a community, uh, if you live in a society, where you know things like you know god forbid don't want to use the word too many times zina, you know, is just normal it's so normal that we become people become insensitive to the uh, idea and then god forbid if you you know if you're in the crowd where you know, I mean, you didn't commit zinnah or song right isn't that the way people talk in mainstream yeah well, i mean you didn't have a girlfriend you didn't go out you didn't date you know, what's wrong with you guys you know? <laughs> So it's perverted. You don't drink, what's wrong with you yeah. So if you start inverting that to its proper shape and form, then you will have success, insha'Allah. So Muslims must now take on uh, the attitude of championing good behaviour. al munkar. You should be shy about it. So yeah, this is the way we are. Alhamdulillah. Anyway, we make dua Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us ta'fiq and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, recite the Quran to understand it and to apply it in our lives. Amin Arbil Almeen. Rasallallahu Allah Muhammad.